uh, good morning, everyone. As this uh, procession continues, um, it's something maybe we'll talk about a little bit later on in the morning of what it means to America because they are our closest ally, having the queen there for 70 years and now the oldest person ever to take the throne as king. Uh, king Charles is, is is on the throne. What will happen next to uh, our relationship? How does it change? How does it modify? All these things in the world are very um, are important issues, we'll, and we'll talk about some of them. This morning, we talk about our president, and our president did an interview with 60 Minutes. And throughout the morning, there are some things we can take from this that I think are very, very important. Um, will he run again? And that was one of the questions. Will he run again? And uh, people have been asking that. And here's the, the two parts of an answer that he gave. And it's much too early to make that kind of decision. I'm a great respecter of fate. And so what I'm doing is I'm doing my job. I'm going to do that job. And within the time frame that makes sense after this next election cycle here, going into next year, make a judgment of what to do. And he goes on to talk about he has the intention. He said he intends to run again, but... My intention, as I said to begin with, is that I would run again, but it's just an intention. But is it a firm decision that I run again? That remains to be seen. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of conversations and it's going to have to do with uh, what happens in the midterm elections, what he's able to get done, his his uh, approval rating. He is an older man. Is he going to be able to do the job? America doesn't seem to think so, even on his side of the aisle. So what happens next? And it, would this be is it for the good of the country? Is it partisan politics? Who do the Democrats put up uh, to be to replace him if he decides he's not going to run again? Or let's say, let's go the other way. If the president of the United States says, I'm going to run for a second term, will he get primaried? If you remember, Ronald Reagan was reviled by the Republican Party because um, he ran for president. He primaried the president. He primaried President Ford. When Ford took over um, as president of the United States, when Nixon resigned, um, Ronald Reagan primaried him and lost in the primary. Then we got Jimmy Carter. Then after four years of Carter, Reagan ran and then did two terms and became the Ronald Reagan of, um, of, of, the, of that we know. But before that, he ran and primaried a sitting president in his party, much to the dismay of his party. So we, you know, we're talking about history and the division within parties, Republican and Democratic Party. This is nothing new. If this president decided to run again and part of the Democratic Party believed he couldn't win, would they primary him and give Democratic voters in the country an opportunity to choose another candidate? That's always going to be part of the question because you know there is a lot of dissension and division inside the Democratic Party just like there is in the Republican Party. The parties themselves – and a lot of times the division is necessary. When you look at our primary process in the Republican Party in Arizona, I'm a fan of it. I'm not a fan of 86 people running, but I think primaries are supposed to be contentious. Family fights are family fights. They get very passionate. The same thing for the Democrats. Will Kirsten Cinema get primaried? Will it be Ruben Gallego, who is, you know, probably doesn't have a chance of losing his seat in the House of Representatives? Will he risk that to primary a sitting senator because factions of the Democratic Party don't like the way that she has worked across the aisle? This has gone on forever. And would we see a primary? And I think it's a, a, a good question. 
do the Democrats believe that he's that he has at, in these four years will have done as much as he can from their opinion? He still remains popular with Democrats. They still support him. But will they say he can't win another four years because of his age and because of other things? So therefore, in order for them to have an opportunity to hold on to the White House, do they need to change to a different candidate? These are all going to be questions within their party that they're going to ask. So that was asked. Um, he was asked about Mar-a-Lago. Um, and uh, I want you to hear just a couple of comments. This was about the documents that were spread out on the floor. How that could possibly happen. How one, anyone could be that irresponsible. And I thought, what data was in there that may compromise sources and methods? And by that, I mean names of people who helped, or et cetera. And it's just uh, totally irresponsible. <laughs> Which part, and this is the part of it, I think, where the politics plays in no matter who you are. Let's say for a moment that those photographs that were leaked or whatever it was that were put out, let's say that that was very sensitive information. Why did we see photographs of it? Why did the FBI put photos out? Why did anybody put photos out? If it's that sensitive, why did we see it? So he goes on and says he's going to stay out of the way of the DOJ investigation. I have not asked for the specifics of those documents because I don't want to get myself in the middle of whether or not the Justice Department should move or not move on certain actions they can take. I, I've agreed I would not tell them what to do and not, in fact, engage in telling them how to prosecute or not. And so was they, they say they weren't even informed. Most people say they, he had to be informed and it doesn't necessarily um, matter to me. You know, again, this whole thing is going to be played out with a special master. I'm still in my wait and see mode about that whole thing. I want to wait and see what a special master, what an impartial investigation tells us about those documents. But there were a couple of things that I found to be very, very interesting. Um, one of them was he was asked about his age. They asked him about his age and, and, and doing the job of being president. Watch me. I mean, honest to God, that's all I think. Watch me. If you think I don't have the energy level of mental acuity, then, then you know, that's one thing. That's another thing. You just watch and, and, you know, keep my schedule. Do what I'm doing. And as much as I, I will say this, when they went after, when I say they, media, whoever it was, when we started hearing about invoking the 25th Amendment and getting rid of President Trump and he couldn't do the job mentally and he shouldn't be anywhere near, near the nuclear codes. And we saw news organizations going out and bringing on mental health professionals to diagnose the president for – former president, but the president at the time for uh, his inability to do the job mentally. I said then it weakens a country that is used as propaganda – by our enemies around the world, and it's not something we should do. And I will tell you, if you listen to this show, I'm not a fan of President Biden or his policies at all. But I feel the same way about a Democratic president that I would a Republican president, that if you're going to go out and question his mental acuity, if you look at what we've done as people and how divided we've become politically, it's who we're paying attention to that where the problem lies. On one side, you had people that said uh, President Obama was an illegitimate president because of his birth certificate issue. And there were people who spent years trying to prove that his birth certificate was fake, that he wasn't born in the United States. Therefore, he wasn't eligible to be president. This was deep into his presidency. And even then, I kept saying to people in my party, first of all, you can't change it. Second of all, if you what happens if it's deemed that he wasn't illegitimately the president, then the vice president becomes the president. You don't nullify the entire election. My bigger concern 
as a voter and as a registered Republican is I want to know why we chose him over John McCain and why we voted for him twice if his policies are that bad for America. That's a bigger concern for me as a Republican voter that we lost those two elections. Not the legitimacy of his presidency because of his birth certificate. Well, then look what happened when we got Donald Trump. We got Donald Trump. They spent four years going after him. And now we had in 2020. Now Joe Biden isn't the legit. This goes back and forth between the two parties. And anybody out there that keeps saying, and I get this all the time. What Trump did was so much worse. Listen, what happened on January 6th was a horrible thing. But if you go back, when President Obama was in office, they said he was illegitimate because of his birth certificate. When Trump was in office, they said he was illegitimate because the Russian collusion stole the election. When Biden got elected, they said it was illegitimate. It was stolen election across the country. We are seeing this back and forth in both political parties over and over and over again that keep saying these elections aren't legitimate. Both parties are guilty of it. Both parties. So we should be looking at how we figure this out so that we don't like the outcome. You know, I, I'm, I like sports analogies. I'm a big sports fan. Watching football yesterday and watching some of the games that were on yesterday, the Tampa Bay game, where it was a great game against the Saints. Back and forth, back and forth. There were a bunch of penalties called. There were questionable calls. Was that really a penalty? That shouldn't have been called. That should have been called. So the Saints' rivalry with the Buccaneers is getting to be really, really big. There was a brawl in the middle of the field in the fourth quarter. Two players were ejected. So it was a very passionate emotional game for both teams. How many Saints fans woke up this morning saying, well, the referee stole that game from us? There's always going to be a level of that. Go on social media. I haven't seen it, but I guarantee you it's there. That a large segment of their fan base are blaming the referees for that loss yesterday. It's not all fans. It's not all fans. It's loud fans. And at some point, we have to be able to move on. But if there's a doubt, if there are questions, we have to answer the questions so that people in mass believe the elections are fair. You know, because it's going to come back again when Republicans win. Democrats will say, look what happened in Georgia with Abrams. She says she still thinks she won the governor's office. We just have to learn to move forward, not just move on, move forward. Make sure things are secure, do the best we can to reassure people, and then be fair. When you lose, you lose with grace. Well, actually, you win with grace. You lose with dignity. All right. Why is Phoenix inflation rate higher than New York City and San Francisco? We'll give you the reasons why coming up here in just a moment. And strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Happy Monday from the Mike Broomhead Show. Uh, if you're not subscribed to the podcast yet, the Mike Broomhead Show podcast is available, simple to download, easy to listen to, any chance you get, anytime you want. Never miss a minute of the show. I want to thank my friend Carol Royce Cutler Realty East Valley uh, for sponsoring this week. Get a higher price selling your home. Get guaranteed offers at higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. In front of me, the list of the 10 cities with the highest inflation rates in the U.S., Phoenix, number one, then Atlanta, Tampa, St. Pete, Miami, Fort Lauderdale, Dallas, Fort Worth, Riverside, San Bernardino, Denver, Aurora, Colorado, Baltimore, Columbia, Towson, Maryland, uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul, and then Houston 
area are the top 10 cities for inflation. Why has it why is the valley's inflation much higher than other cities? That doesn't mean the cost of living is higher than some of these places. We certainly don't have a higher cost of living than San Francisco. The Bay Area is much higher cost of living, but our inflation rate is faster. Well, one of the reasons is the relocation is still strong. People are still coming here in great numbers, many times because it is cheaper. So for us, it's all a matter of perspective. If you live in the Valley and you purchased a home four years ago, um, and you purchased a home for $300,000 four years ago, there is a pretty good chance that that home, depending on what neighborhood you were in at some point, almost brushed up against being worth double what you paid for it. Very close to 600000 is what you could have sold it for at the peak of the market. That is a huge increase. Now, for us here in the Valley, imagining looking at a house that we bought four years ago and saying, I would never, I can't imagine that home being worth $600,000, especially this fast. Well, people in Northern California, anywhere in California, LA, uh, San Diego, when you look at a home here and you say, that's only 600,000. That's 1.2 million in the town I'm from. And that's just the difference in the cost of living. But when inflation spikes, like we've seen it spike, the damage is to everyone is the uncertainty. More than anything else, it's the uncertainty. So I want you to hear a couple of things. The president last night was asked about inflation. And I've told you that the concern for most Americans is that they believe the White House is out of touch. That's what I believe. Um, Democrats are going to follow. Republicans are never going to like. But independent-minded and, and, and uh, independent voters are the ones that are leading the way on this. But listen to the comments and the question about inflation to the president. Inflation rate month to month was just uh, 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 just an inch, hardly at all. You're not arguing that 8.3 is good news. No, I'm not saying it is good news. But it was 8.2 or 8.2 before. I mean, it's not. You, I, mean, I can make it sound like all of a sudden, my God, it went to 8.2 percent. It's the highest inflation rate, Mr. President, in 40 years. I got that. But guess what we are? We're in a position where for the last several months it hasn't spiked. It has just barely, it's been basically even. Again, that... I'm going to explain the difference in a moment, but I want you to hear this is the second part of the very same conversation on inflation. And in the meantime, we created all these jobs and, and prices have have gone up, but they've come down for energy. The fact is that we've created 10 million new jobs We're in a sense we came to office. We're in a situation where we the unemployment rate is about 3.7 percent, one of the lowest in history. We're in a situation where manufacturing is coming back to the United States in a big way. So there's a t- there is a time where you are going to make sure you are putting a positive spin on things, and I don't blame the White House for that. I certainly don't. That is what every president would do. Every White House would do exactly the same thing and put a positive spin on the numbers that you're seeing. But when you start talking about 8.3% inflation and not acknowledging how tough it is for people, I'm an, an example of how it was handled in a way that people responded positively was if you remember when Bill Clinton raised taxes when he said he didn't want to, but he felt the need that we had to raise taxes to balance the budget and get us where we needed to go. And he had this way about him as a communicator. He would bite his bottom lip. He would point with his index knuckle, not the whole finger, just the knuckle. And he said to America, I feel your pain. Now, whether you believed it or you didn't believe it, depending on where you stood politically, there was an acknowledgement from the White House that there was very difficult times in the U.S., 
And this is how we're going to get through them. This is what we need to do to get through them, whether you agree with him or not. When you hear the president of the United States say, well, it's only went up a tenth of a percent, almost like saying it's starting to level off. But you're still at record inflation for 40 years. That's not an acknowledgement. And I think there are so many people that are looking at this and saying he is not looking at the same economy I'm looking at. And that's what's concerning to people. And I think that's what ultimately is going to cost the president in big numbers. And we are seeing um, the highest inflation here. And a lot of it, if you look at those areas where inflation is high and it's highest, is the growth there is immense. People are leaving places like San Francisco and they're moving to places like Phoenix. So we're going to keep an eye on this. It's got to come down. Our gas prices are higher now because of the, the blend of fuel we have to use. So our gas prices haven't dropped as much as other places. We are still seeing huge uh, growth in food expense here in the Valley and homes. Uh, housing prices aren't coming down any time soon, I don't think. In a moment, Gatos joins me, and it's the big Q poll question of the day, so stick around for it. The Gatos Big Q poll question, brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. Hey, good morning, Gatos. Oh, I was this close to selling my Cardinals tickets yesterday. <laughs> oh, man, I was ready to sell them. I was going to put them online. I'm like, they're going to be 0-2. They're not going to beat the Rams. And then all of a sudden, it happened. A miraculous comeback. <sighs> Isn't it beautiful, Mike? It was. It was pretty amazing. I actually tweeted out um, it, in the first half. Um, can we please, whoever makes the decisions, can we please reach out to Sean Payton before the Cowboys do? And I was like, I was like, maybe Cliff could rest everybody up for next season. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I fell asleep. All right. See, here's my cue, and I think this is an interesting one. All right. Uh, the Cardinals made a miraculous comeback to beat the Raiders in OT. Mm-hmm. Be honest. At one point, did you shut off the game? I fell asleep. Okay, that's the same thing. Okay. You were not entertained enough to stay awake. Correct. I was I was awake, but I decided I'm not watching this anymore. So I didn't. What I did was I, I put on uh, the red zone. You know, if you have the NFL mm-hmm. package, you can right. watch that. And basically, they just cut to every game and that, that something's happening. And all of a sudden, they started to cut to the Cardinals game. And I'm like, well, that's not that's not enough. And then another one, oh, that's not enough. And then it's like, okay, they just scored. Now they're within eight. And I go, they're within eight. All right, all right. So I called my wife in the other room because she had went and read a book. She was, she, we were done. She yeah. was done. And I'm like, you got to come back in here and see if they, you know, see how they're going to blow it. And they didn't blow it. And right. so uh, we're going to – we'll keep our tickets for one more week and see what they got. Yeah, I agree. And it's going to be the Rams. So it's going to be uh, – they better be ready. But how many people do you think shut the game off? I think a ton of people. Well, I was lucky. I fell asleep and I woke up just as they tied the game to go into oh, overtime. So wow. I slept through everything you wanted to sleep through and then woke up to see the win. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, when they ran the ball back in overtime, yep. uh, was it Byron Murphy? Yeah. Yeah, he almost let go of the ball before he went over to the end zone. They had to make sure it was a fumble. They had to make sure he crossed the goal. Only the Cardinals, man. (laughs) Only the Cardinals. There's nobody near him. And he walks into the end zone. It's like, well, I'm just going to get rid of the ball on the half-yard line, possibly. And I'm like, no. Two things, though. Two things from yesterday that I was really impressed by. One was Tua with the Dolphins. Yeah. Tied a record for the franchise with Greasy and Marino for touchdown passes in a game. And the other was watching the Green Bay Packers manhandle the Chicago Bears. 
Yeah. It was a great day of, It was. Of football. Such a great day. But I can't, I can't believe that we're going to talk about a Cardinals win today because I didn't think that was going to happen. <laughs> thanks, Gatos. All right, man. Thanks. All right. The Big Q poll question today brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. Coming up after nine, the military losing recruits. Are we in danger in America?